Good afternoon, everybody. Afternoon. Um, welcome to a series that we're doing in, um, at the moment um, on the topic of prayer. We um, are eight weeks in, and we've had some breaks in between, but welcome. So P is for prayer, which is the title of our series. And the title of our message today is a bit of a strange title. I hope it makes sense, at least by the time we get to the end of the message, is Privileged Poverty-Stricken Partners. Privileged Poverty-Stricken Partners. And again, our topic is prayer. And um, we're going to be looking at Romans 8. I'm going to put the, the text up on the screen so you can have a look at it in a minute. But it might help to turn to it in your Bibles or on your phones, on your tablets, etc. Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV in a moment. Now, <clears throat> hopefully this title um, may cause you to think possibly a few different things as you see it, as you hear it. Um, you might be saying to yourself, okay, well, maybe this message has got something to do with, I don't know, prayer partners. Have you got a prayer partner, by the way? You know what I'm saying? Um, amen. It's good to hear. Or you might look at that title and you think to yourself, okay, um, poverty. But what's poverty got to do with prayer? You know what I mean? Maybe it's something to do with being poor in spirit, if you know your Bible. Well, we've been talking about prayer for, as I said, a couple of months now. And, and a part of the question I want to ask is, has us talking about it affected you? You know what I mean? Has it, has it changed your life in any way, shape, shape or form? Or, or is your prayer life still the same? Really, really good or just still really whack? You know what I mean? It's like we talk often about um, going through the Word of God in the way that we do, you know what I'm saying, um, as a hopefully a, a faithful Bible teaching church. Um, but we ask the question, not only are we going through the Bible, but is the Bible going through you? You know what I mean? Um, and I don't know, has this couple of months talking about prayer just been like whatever? You know what I'm saying? It's like you go, we go to church and we kind of come to kind of be a bit entertained and the message was all right today or the, the message really weren't saying nothing. I don't even know what I got on my bed today for because the message was just dead. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? How are these messages impacting you, I suppose, is my question. And that's specifically with regards to our topic. That is, is it making your prayer life any better? Or not? Okay, well, let's read the text together. Hopefully today we can get some help. If you ain't got no help up to this point, boy, Lord, I hope today contributes to helping somewhat. I know that it's helped me, and you'll see why in a minute. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to be looking at verse 22 through to verse 28. And um, probably help if I put it up, um, just so you can see it and we can read it. I wonder if somebody could just move that thing for me, Carl. You know how them things kind of, well, thank you, my sister, bless you. The things kind of make me feel, I feel I've got some kind of, yeah, we, all, we all got issues. It's just one of my issues, isn't it? Romans 8, verse 22, starting to, oh, sis, it needs to be straight, though. <laughs> Still, sorry, pressure, sorry, thank you. However it comes, however it comes, sis, bless you. Four. the writer of this epistle is, is Paul, and he writes, now this, this book is like, if you're going to read any book in the Bible, this is not a bad one to start with. Romans 8, starting at verse 22. For we know 
that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself, in, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Would you pray with me as we get ready to jump in? Heavenly Father, talking about prayer and here we are praying. Communion with you is, is simple enough for a child, yet it's complex and mysterious and difficult to grasp as an adult. Please help us to understand the difference today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you know there are tensions in the Bible? Tensions in Scripture. Some people like to look at those tensions and call them contradictions. Boy, the Bible's full of bare, full of bare contradictions. You ever heard anyone say that? I've always heard people say that. And often I say to them, for real, they're like, yeah, the Bible's full of con." I'm like, show me five. Often they can't show me three. <laughs> Often they can't show me one. And when they do show you one, you know, if it's one of them texts that you understand, you can help them to see that it ain't a contradiction. But we would admit as believers that there are many tensions that look like contradictions. You know what I'm saying? One of them is the sovereignty of God versus the responsibility of man. If you know anything about them two topics, you're like, boy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I understand that. Either one on its own can be true. Sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. But both of them together? <laughs> I heard someone describe it just in passing, like two train tracks. Two train tracks are completely, how many of you know, totally independent of each other. They're different. But if you look up in the distance at those train tracks, at some point they converge and become one. You can think about that. Tension, not contradiction. Here's another one. Paul and James. <laughs> Paul says we're saved by grace. James seems to say that we're saved by works. You know what I'm saying? A great theologian of the past believed that the book of James should be ripped out of the Bible. Because it was so challenging in that sense. You know and I'm saying? Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of what? Not of works, lest any man should boast. And then James comes, and James seems to say something different. James would be like, you see then that a man is justified by his works. <laughs> and not by faith only, right? It seems like a contradiction, but it's not. There's a, there's a healthy tension 
You know what I'm saying? And today we see another similar example of tension regarding prayer. How many of you know, as Christians, yeah? Well, we're supposed to. As Christians, yeah, we know how to pray. Is that true? Uh, everyone's being a bit coy. No one don't want to jump in with both feet. As Christians, we know how to pray, but how many of you know at the same time, at the same time, we don't know how to pray? And that sounds like a contradiction. We're supposed to pray for kings, first Timothy two. For those who are, you know what I'm saying, for those who are, are presidents and prime ministers, we're supposed to pray for Boris Johnson. But who knows how to pray for Boris Johnson? Come on now. And I'm saying, who knows how to pray for President Trump? But the Bible says we're supposed to do that, and we know that, but we don't know how to do that. We're supposed to pray for those who are physically sick. Mikey P. prayed for Fiona, our sister, this morning. And I'm saying, or encouraged us to keep praying for her, right? And you might look at the situation and you think, yeah, man, we need to pray for her. But then, all right, let's pray, innit? You're like, I don't even know what to pray. You know, at LCM, which is where I work, um, during the week, Monday to Friday, and um, we had a guest speaker come in, and he was speaking about, it was beautiful, he was speaking about what, what is called the Lord's Prayer. It, you know, Matthew 6 isn't actually the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John 17, you know what I'm saying? But if you like, the, the, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, right? He came and he taught on this chapter, and I'm sitting, I'm thinking, boom, talking about prayer. I thought, maybe my man was going to give me my message for this Sunday, but he didn't. Um, well, he did, really, because I could have preached his message, but I was really encouraged because what he went on to talk about was <clears throat> verse, I think it was, it was the first verse of the Lord's Prayer. I can't remember which verse it is, verse 9, or I can't remember what verse, but in that verse it says, that we're supposed to pray, our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. <clears throat> There's some specific instruction in that, right? So, so you'd be like, Pastor Rob, what are you talking about? We don't know how to. We know exactly what we're supposed to pray. Jesus told us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, we know what to pray, but at the same time, Romans 8 says we don't know what to pray. So what's the deal? Verse 26 says, likewise, notice, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Why? For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Can you see that? See, we don't know what to pray for as we ought. When it comes to prayer, we do know what to pray, but then we don't know what to pray. There's this, not a contradiction, but there's this tension. Can you see that? <clears throat> Verse 22, starting at the beginning of our text. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Now, Paul's presuming something at the beginning of that verse, isn't it? And we're jumping into the middle of a chapter. Um, <clears throat> but his argument is from the very beginning of creation. Creation itself has been groaning. And it's crazy because if you think about creation, you know what I'm saying? When God made the world, things was good. Remember, God himself said, wow. God like, took a step back at his handiwork. And it wasn't proud and arrogance. It actually was good. So there's nothing wrong with him saying it was good. And then he gets to the sixth day, creates man, and he says, oh, 
this is not just good, this is very, look at Jim, Jim, very good. When he looked at his creation, he looked at Adam and, and Eve. Do you remember that? But it wasn't long after, just got a wave there, so. Um, it wasn't long after the creation that the creation fell. Right? Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, the creation, Genesis 3, everything goes pear-shaped. And ever since then, Paul says, the creation has been groaning. Notice in the pains of some sort of childbirth is how he describes it, right up until now, at least up until the time he spoke of, and we could also speak about the current time, up until now even. Creation has been groaning. Verse 19, just a little bit earlier than this, it says, For the creation waits and, and, and is, eager, is eagerly longing for something. A little bit like childbirth. You know what, I, what I'm saying? Like in childbirth, whilst waiting for something, waiting for this full redemption... That is this transformation where things are not just going to be what they were, but actually going to be much better. But there's, there's nothing the created order can do to speed up the process. Like childbirth. The process has started, you know, like when conception takes place. And you know that a baby's going to come. The process has started. The baby's going to come, but it's, it's, it's going to come at, a, at an appointed time when exactly? Well, you know, roughly nine months. Roughly, but exactly? Like, ladies, can you, can you identify with that? You get pregnant. Hormones go haywire, right? Random food cravings and this unwanted extra weight. Discomfort, unless you're Chloe, you know what I'm saying? Chloe never put on an ounce of, you know, Chloe, you can't even tell that she's pregnant. I was like, yo, what? She said, I'm six months pregnant. I'm like, what? Be seven months now nearly. Discomfort, lack of sleep. Has she kicked you out the bed yet, D? She ain't kicked you out the bed yet, Denzel. Boy, you must have a big bed, bro. Because I know it, like, when you get to that point, wait, wait till you get to eight months, bro. And it's, the pillows is the key, apparently. Put loads of pillows. There ain't going to be no, no room for you. You know what I'm saying? And then, how about the mood swings? You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and it's funny because you experience as a woman, I think, I, I'm a married man, I'm a husband, I, I've, you know what I'm saying, I've, I've seen it take place. I think that, help me ladies, you, know, you, have this, you have this uncanny experience of weakness because your body is no longer your own. Your husband's there complaining because it's supposed to be his and it ain't his neither. And um, you, all oh, right, somebody just got that one. Um, and your experience this uncanny weakness, you know what I'm saying, where one minute you're tearful and you're needy, right? Next minute you're demon exorcist, like maleficent, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's great, and as much as you'd like to speed up the process, you know what I'm saying, what can you do? You can't do nothing. The process started, the baby is coming at an appointed time, but when? Only the Lord knows, isn't it? And similar to childbirth, 
is the culmination of creation. And what is creation's response? It's like, it's like when, is it gonna, when is the end of the world going to We don't know. I'm saying, and what is creation's response? Well, frankly, there's nothing creation can do. Creation, in similar fashion, is weak. It's incapable of bringing about this culmination or this completion or this transformation or this full redemption, but it yearns it. You might have remembered when we'd done a Bible overview, we said, you can describe the Bible in four words. And I did the first two already, creation, and then we had the fall. And in the big part of your Bible, Genesis 1 and 2 creation, Genesis 3 to 4, the rest of your Bible is pretty much redemption. And in Revelation chapter 21 and 22 is the recreation, where God's going to fix everything and make everything perfect. And as you hear that, you're like, oh, I can already hear the groaning, the desire for that time to come. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, this is... This is, you're looking at the whole of human history in four words, and creation is incapable of speeding up this progress and the process of recreation, just like childbirth and, birth and, and creation has to be patient. The new world will be birthed in its own good time. The, 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 the new world will be birthed when it's ready. And guess what it calls for? Patience. And what does creation do while it waits patiently? Look at the middle of verse 22. If I can go back to it. Middle of verse 22. What does it do as it waits? It groans. It groans. It's like there's a smile on the face of creation during the summertime. But in autumn... And then winter, creation, every year creation groans. And you think, but wait a minute, the autumn is so beautiful. I look at, this, at, the, at the window now and the colors are just, you know, these, this kind of light green and orange and ru the rust. And, and I'm saying the way the, 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 the place looks when, 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 the light, when the sun shines, that doesn't look like creation groaning. But how many of you know, it won't be long before there, there won't be any leaves on the trees. The trees will be bare and barren. And the place will look to some degree like some wilderness. And it's crazy because then the snow falls and the place looks very beautiful. But it's a beautiful barrenness. There's, there's, like, you look at it from the outside and you hear jingle bells, jingle bells. Because you know Christmas is coming. You know, it snows outside and dashing through the snow. You know, and it all sounds very quaint until you step out there. <laughs> and it's the next thing. You know what I mean? When cold starts to bite. I had to pull out my big old parka today because of the... Where's Mr. Carnegie? Mr. Carnegie would be proud of me. Look, you notice I've got, got, got my thing on. What, is it? what do you call this again? I've got my poppy on and I've got my Jamaica flag. Where's Mr. Carnegie? Oh, yeah, he had to leave, innit? Maybe you listen to the podcast. Big up, Mr. Carnegie. Big up still. Where was I? Creation groaning. Paul then says... This is very similar to what happens with God's people in verse 23. He says, and not only the creation. You see that? And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, what do we do? 
we, oh, oh, we groan. We groan as well, inwardly, as we wait eagerly. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? The adoption, for the adoption as sons, the redemption, not just of the creation outside, because we're part of the creation, but personally. And I'm saying, we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Now, I'm getting old now. You know what I mean? And for me, like, trying to, trying to eat healthy and trying to do little exercise is a serious thing now. It's not something I can dodge or duck anymore through my 20s and through my... Like, when I was in my 20s, I never even used to think about, like, exercise and everything. My body was just, just hey. I could eat what I want. Never had to ever, ever even consider my diet. Then I hit my 30s. Started thinking, oh boy, like love handles. Like, where did these come from? You know what I mean? And then two twos, I hit my 40s, and boy, I looked in the mirror, I never recognized myself. I'm like, raw, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying, people? Please, please laughing because we, we've been having this chat about, about dieting and so on. And, and it's like, I can't wait for my, for my body to get redeemed, especially now as I'm having to work extra hard. I mean, man's having to starve himself out here. You know what I mean? Which is not a bad thing. Intermittent fasting is actually a good thing. If you want to chat to me, come chat to me. Denise, speak to sister. See, speak, speak to sister D. She got her own. You can check out her blog, yeah? Alysis, where did they find it? Um, AvocadoKetoMummy.com. Boom. Some free advertising. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. You know what I'm saying? It's, keep, it's about keto, right? And it works, don't it, sis? It is hard work. It's a science. It, and it's hard. But sis, does it work? Yeah. And we're not even talking about, because one of the things we will say, and this is part of the message, trust me. One of the, things, one of the things we will say is, do it, don't do it just to lose weight. Do it for the health benefits. For your liver, for your fatty liver. You know, if you put on weight on the outside, that means your liver is already fatty and in trouble. You know what I'm saying? And so we say, do it for the health reasons. The weight loss is a byproduct. How about that? If you want to talk to either of us at some point, we're happy to have a chat with you about that. Especially if you're getting that update. Now, you young ones don't care. You're like, whatever. Because, you know what I mean, you're slim and trim. It's all right. Eventually, all of us get to a point, you know what I'm saying, if God spares our lives, don't we, where the body will start to break down. It's called the, the second law of thermodynamics or the law of entropy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why do you have to always wash your car? You don't leave your car and it gets cleaner. Like your bedroom. Why doesn't, the bed, why doesn't it just tidy up itself? Second law of thermodynamics. Things tend toward, you know what I'm saying? Um, what's the word? What do they tend towards? Decay. Thank you. Degrading. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And so do our bodies. And look, if, if you know anything about this, you know that groan, you know what I'm saying, where you're eagerly waiting as a child of God for that promise that we have great hope in that one day God's going to transform this lowly body. And I'm going to receive a new... And it's not just a body that can run like 100 meters in te under 10 seconds. It's not even... A, it's a different kind of body. I ain't got time. First Corinthians 15, you can read that in then. <clears throat> but first of all, verse 15 and 16, um, just prior to this, outline what I've termed our privileged position. And that in prayer. 
as God's people. Now, I've got this one for you. It's not, it's not all of them I've got for you. but Verse 15 says, with, with reference to this privileged position in prayer. See if you can hear it. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of what? Adoption as sons, and that includes the girls, by whom we cry what? Abba, Father. So can you see, speaking to the Father, because it's a cry, so there's communication. How many of you know this is prayer? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The privilege is, as children of God, we can call out to him. Can you see how that relates to prayer? But the question I asked at the beginning is, what does your prayer life look like? What does your prayer life look like? God's people, it says, groan. Hopefully there's some consistency with your prayer life and this groaning. Because since our new birth, whilst waiting for this full redemption, like creation, we groan. And and that as we wait eagerly for this full, complete redemption. Verse 18 says, For I consider, says Paul, notice that the sufferings of when? This present time. And I mean, if you know, nothing ain't changed. The sufferings of this present time are not... Oh, Paul's saying, I identify the sufferings currently, but look, they're not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. So there's something coming. Can you see that? That's going to be more glorious than what we're experiencing now. But what we experience now is very close to suffering. And can you see the space between the two, between the present time and the, the glory that's to be revealed? Can you see there's a space in between? And, and th you see, this, this is the gap between justification and what? Help me. Right. There's a gap between, when you first get saved, you, you're justified. Thank you. Glorification. These are the two bookends. You get saved, you're justified, you're saved. You know what I'm saying? You get to heaven when you die. But then this, this end part of the salvation process is called glorification. It's when you're changed, but there's an in-between. Sanctification is the sufferings, if you like, in the middle. And the first one, justification happens in a moment. Glorification will happen in a twinkling of an eye. But how many of you know, boy, the, in, the bit in between? Slow. <laughs> Man said it's long. See, that's our brother who knows about groaning. <laughs> Man said amen. See, there's a glory coming. There's a tremendous revealing of the children of God. And it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing what you're going to look like, P. And again, apart from physically being able in ways that you're not now, it's more than that. It's more than that. Now, we have a hope with regards to that. But in the interim, we groan. We suffer. But we do have hope. But in the meantime, we groan. Anybody know what I'm talking about apart from P? Now, how do we know? How do we know that Paul's appeal is regarding salvation? Well, verse 24. I'll go back there again. I'm in trouble now. Verse 24. For in this what? I'll give you the verse. And thank you, P. For in this hope, 
we, how, many, how do we know he's talking about salvation? He says, for in this hope we were what? Saved. There's your salvation. And the process of salvation, how many of, how many of you know, is difficult, especially sanctification, and it involves time, this extensive waiting. Yet, let's be reminded that we have incredible hope. He says, he says, he says now hope that is seen is not hope. Right? Because if you can see it, then you don't have to hope for it. For who hopes for what he sees? Verse 25. But if we hope for, for what we do not see, we wait. And we wait. And we wait. We wait for it with what? With patience. I hope you never come to church expecting this, this morning, this afternoon, to, to hear a message about how great you are and end up saying that God's going to give you a a BMW X5, you know what I'm saying, or he's going to give you a Mercedes GLE, or I don't know, you know what I'm saying, come to church expecting. Now, it's not that that might not happen, but one of the things you have to embrace along with the blessing, you know, is suffering. You know, Jesus is our example of that. I mean, if you know, Jesus is the Messiah, he's the king, you know what I'm saying, and he's going to be reigning, you know what I'm saying, but before that actually took place, I mean, Jesus is reigning now. But before that took place, how many of you know he had to embrace a cross before he got the crown? And the, and, 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 and the same is true for us. We've got a crown waiting for us. You know, the, the book of Revelation says we're going to get opportunity to go to sit on his throne. I don't know what's that. What, I don't even know. That, I, the, the, just the picture I get is being able to sit down on Jesus' lap on his throne. Get that picture as a child of God. You know what I'm saying? There's so many of us, we're going to have to take turns. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to get opportunity. Imagine that. And we have an incredible hope, but we have to wait because it's not going to happen immediately. You know what I'm saying? We, have to, we, we need patience. And, to, and, and you're like, yeah, thanks for the reminder, Pastor Rob. I'm like, yeah, well, you're welcome. You know what I'm saying? This, this is going to help. This actually helps. This is going to help you because the reality of the Christian life is... Paul says it's through many tribulations we enter into the kingdom of God. It's not one of those verses that we put on our fridge, but it's in the Bible nonetheless. Now, Paul will take issue, or should I say, Paul will take the issue of, of patience and pain, um, yet hopeful and waiting and groaning, and draw similar parallels to prayer. Watch. Say parallels to prayer for me. Thank, thank you for indulging me. Parallels to prayer. Now, it's on the screen. Look at verse 26. And look, we're, nearly, we're nearly, actually nearly finished. Look at verse 26. It says, see the parallel? It says, likewise. Likewise. Or, if you like, everything that he's just said is going to be similar to what he's about to say. Can you see that? It's hot in there, isn't it? It's Judith, you know. Judith, thank you, sis. Turn down the heat and sis. Judith touched. Judith switched it on. She never, sis, turn it down. Is, oh, you turned it off. Bless you. Sorry. You know, if you know, I, I, I can get away with saying things like that. Come here and Sister Judith go back still. And I know she don't like the cold. She don't like the cold. I get in her car. and I mean, it's rubbed off on your husband now. I get in your husband. I get in your car and the things, I'm like, man's talking to me. I can't even, I can't even, my, can't, my brain can't even function. I'm like, bro, beg you turn down the heater. Oh, uh, the, you who are laughing, you, you know. Um, so he says, look, 
everything that he's just said is going to be similar to what he's about to say. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And the question is, what weakness? Well, he goes on to say, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Can you see it? We do, we do know how to pray, but we don't know what to pray. And notice this what. And this is what has kind of really liberated me this week as I looked at my prayer life and thought, boy, Robert, I'll be like, I can come out and be like, what's your prayer life like? And I'm saying challenge you and ask you back. That's a nice goatee, Mike, Mikey P. And I'm saying, I'm over here, I can't see my eyes, it's so good nowadays. I'm like, I can come out and challenge you about your prayer life, but how about me? You know what I'm saying? I feel like the Lord never challenged me as I'm doing this. The Lord like, so what are you saying about your prayer life? Robert, what are you saying about your prayer life? And I'll be like, boy, Lord. You know I'm saying? My prayer life is sketchy. You know what I'm saying? But notice, I'm talking to the Lord still, isn't it? So it's there. But I'm like, boy, Lord, if I really look at it, it's, you know what I'm saying? And, but this really encouraged me. And hopefully this should set you free in your prayer time, whether it's private or public. You know what I'm saying? Now, you know those times in your pri private prayer life. Come on now. And then even those times in your, in, your in your public prayer life. You know what I'm saying? You know, so like, you know sometimes you're, you're, in, you're on your own and you know you're, you're talking to the Lord and your mind's going off and getting distracted and you're thinking about you know what I'm saying, I don't know, your eBay thing that you're watching and you've got to check it because two twos, you don't want to lose it and the time's running out or, you know what I'm saying, or whatever it might be, you know, that distracts you. We all have those distractions and it's, and it's hard to pray, especially on your own. I don't know, I'm, uh, that's my confession. That's why I appreciate the brethren and the fact that we can come together and we can pray together and, and encourage one another in that, you know what I mean? And, but then even in those public prayer times, come on now, you ever had the thing where you sat down and boy, you know, like there's only a, it's one thing when the room's packed, because you know, boy, I can just slip in, I'm cool, I don't need to pray, because bare people, like, P's here is going to pray, you know what I'm saying, it's like Jimmy's here is going to pray, Mikey P, he's definitely going to pray, I'm cool, I don't need to pray. But when you walk in and there's only two people in the room, next thing. Now, all, all that floods our mind is, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? There's only a few of us. What's going to happen? I'm going to have to start getting anxious. And, you know what I'm saying? And the, not knowing the other person is getting anxious because it's only you and them. If, you know, I remember one time, I, you know what I'm talking about. Privately or publicly, you know what I'm saying? It's like, who knows what to pray? Now, I'm saying, be honest. Who knows? Who, who knows? Who knows? We do know what to pray, but often we haven't got a clue what to pray, as we ought. When it comes to prayer, how many of you know, we are poverty stricken. We're weak. We're incapable of changing anything or anyone. We are weak. And Paul's big point is this. Not only do we have weaknesses, but we are weak. And there's a difference. The text says weakness. It doesn't say weaknesses. 
See, some comment. See, if you have weaknesses, it presumes that you have what? Strengths. Come on now. You've never done a SWAT before. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So if you're talking about weaknesses, you're like, oh, yeah. When you're filling out that interview form, huh? what are your weaknesses? I said, man, I ain't got no weaknesses out here, you know. But boy, I'm gonna have to, I've got to put something down on the form, innit? <laughs> <laughs> and then when it comes to the strengths, you put down the strengths. You know what I'm saying? It there's a presumption that if we're talking about weaknesses, okay, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, you're right. When it comes to my prayer life, yeah, it's kind of, there are times that, from time to time, I limp. But there's other times where, boy, really? See, verse 26 exposes our plight. It doesn't just talk about the times when you're on it and the times when you ain't so on it. No, it's saying you are never on it. You are weak. When it comes to this issue of prayer, you've got nothing to bring to the table. And you'd be like, how does this encourage you, Robert? This sounds like you're putting man off from praying. No, you're not hearing me. Verse 26 exposes our plight. It's utter weakness. Some commentators say that this means occasional weakness, but no. It's regularly and repeatedly weakness. Remember, Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. It's weak. The Holy Spirit's always ready to, to pray. Always. But then... When it comes to prayer, where poverty is stricken, where we like, like creation, awaiting the recreation, and it's grown in because it can't bring it about. Just like a woman in childbirth, she wants that baby. All she wants now is for that baby to come out. But there's nothing she can do to make it happen, so she groans. See, that's the perfect picture of our prayer lives. Private prayer. It's, it's, it, in your pri isn't that a real reflection of our private prayer? Isn't this, isn't this a real, you know what I'm saying? Isn't that a real reflection of our corporate prayer? You know what I'm saying? Don't know what to pray. Don't know how to, you, you, again, in a group setting and, you know what I'm saying? We're tripping and we're slipping over our prayers. You know, sliding in our prayer, like, it's embarrassing. And I'm saying, sometimes when we get together, because you ever fumbled through prayers? You know what I'm saying? Fumbled like, oh, I've got to pray. I'm a Christian, and I know God hears my prayers, and this is what we do. And I'm saying, have to pray. And then sometimes you pull off a banger. You know what I mean? You see, like, like a three or four minute, oh my gosh, like, not like people in the no one don't say it, but people in the room are like, no, they do. They're like, amen to like that. Oh my God, that prayer, amen. And you, you yourself, you're like, you're like, yeah, that's what I'm like, yeah. Now and again, we pull off one of them, one of them prayers, right? But how does that compare to the rest of my, my the rest of my prayer life? Ain't like that. You know what 
know what I'm saying? Like flowery prayers, quoting the right verses at the right time and with the right emphasis and all stand up and walk, start walking around the room and, you know what I'm saying, start praying in like an American, an American accent, you know, and, you know what I mean? It's like, like what's, what's, what's that all about? See? And the thing is, God graciously responds to us. But I wonder if it's the words specifically or our groaning particularly, you know what I'm saying? It's like God ain't looking at, wow, I'm going to, how could I not answer that prayer mark? That was, oh, ow, ooh. You know what I mean? It's like the Lord's not impressed with the way we say what we say. You know what I'm saying? The Lord's looking at what? Remember, remember First Samuel? When Samuel went to look for a king, he thought, yeah, it's got to be someone strapping and kingly looking, soldier looking. You know what I mean? And he, and he looked through and he thought, it's good. this one's got to be the king as he goes through Samuel's sons. Mm, Lord, right, no. Uh, no, uh, must be. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. And Samuel's there like, right, Samuel's like, boy, Jesse, either you got another son somewhere or man's missed it out here. Man's missed God out here. Car, I swear God told me that the king's one of your sons. And, they, and, and Jesse's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a next son. He's on the back of the hill. They're looking after the sheep. And everyone's like, what, 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 like David. <laughs> Can't be David. And the Lord's like, yes, it is David. And the Lord says to Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God don't business about your flowery, clever smart prayers you know what I'm saying not to say that you shouldn't pray scripture not to say you shouldn't pray ardently not to say you shouldn't pray with fervency the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman affects much makes great power available dynamic in its working James chapter 5 but God's really looking at the heart God graciously responds, doesn't he, to our groaning. Have you ever had that experience when you're praying for someone and nothing don't happen? <laughs> it's like, you're like, what's the point? You know what I'm saying? And then another time you're praying and all of a sudden that person that you prayed for walks through the door. You know what I'm saying? Or you buck them up on the out on road or, you know what I'm saying? You're like, Rah. it's like, why? Like initially, you're just stunned and shocked. Oh, I can't believe I've seen them because you know. And you might even say to them, Boy, man, boy, funny I see you. I've been praying for you, you know. Bro, man's like, Yeah, yeah, whatever. But you're like, No, I'm, I'm like, I mean it. Like, Lord, I like it. Been... And the Lord sometimes answers our prayers in real material ways, doesn't He? I'm saying, You see that person. I'm saying, and you might even be praying for someone, and you know, and, and they might have, I don't know, backslidden, or or you're praying for someone that's not even a Christian, and two Tuesday come to church. Wow. They might even become a Christian. You know what I'm saying? And they walk in to the fellowship of the saints. You know, Tuesday prayer, like we've been praying on a Tuesday night recently, past few months. And um, you know, Mikey said it, it's just been a blessing. It's only been a handful of us. It's been less than a handful of us, literally speaking. But it has been just such a blessing. And like Mike said, you know what I'm saying, we're in that room over there, the children's ministry kind of room, 
and this room is split into two. You see the dividing wall. And this, this whole facility is transformed. On that side, we have our clients who come in from barley loaves um, for our food redistribution service. And they come and they sit where you're sitting over that side. You know what I'm saying? And they get tickets. And then, um, you know, Michael shared the gospel with them in that side of the room. And then, you know, they get their ticket, their number called, and they come into this part of the room. If you've never been to barley loaves, I recommend you come and taste and see it and feel it. It's incredible. They come in the door, and in this part of the room here is where all the food is laid out. You know what I'm saying? And they're different individuals. Thank God. Marky, I lie, brother. Every single Tuesday, brother, there's team of, a team of people that come to volunteer, and um, you know, Mark is, is, is one of the brothers that are responsible, as well as Pete, just sitting next to him, um, for leading and organizing barley loaves. And I tell you, it's such an experience. And I'm standing right here where, like, the tin food is kind of set up. So thank the Lord for you who bring in the stuff. The bucket's normally here for you to put stuff in for barley loaves. And people come in through the door, and they, and, they, and they collect their food. And they're so grateful, so grateful. And we have such wonderful conversations. You know what I'm saying? And, and check it. We're in the other room because prayer meeting takes place that same time. And we're in the other room, 7.30, from 7.30 to 8.30, we're praying. And in there praying... And we are praying for the clients who are here in this room. And not just random prayers. Because Mike, after he finishes sharing the word with them, will say, look, would you just fill out, if you've got any prayer requests, just write it down. I will pray for you. Like, and it ain't one of them typical, quote-unquote, Christianese, will pray for you and never, ever pray for you. It's, we take, they take the prayer request and take them into the room where the prayer is actually taking place. So the prayers get prayed immediately. Now, you know what's mad? Like Mike says, I'm not sure if you were listening. The other night, we was in there praying, and two twos, the door knock, and in comes one of the clients that we're praying for. It was mad because weeks ago, as we've been praying, prayers have been answered, and it, Marky? Prayers have been answered to, like, I really need a job, and we'd be in there praying, Lord, this person, they've asked for a job. Lord, would you, in your grace, open up a door, make a provision, help them to get a job. Then two twos, two, three weeks later, we hear, well, my man come back, I've got, got a job. You lot prayed for me and I've got a job. And we're like, why? Like, in the moment, you're like, well, we expect that the Lord would do that, innit? But how often, we're like Rhoda and, and, and in Acts, is it Acts 4, where they're praying for Peter, that the, the, the Lord will deliver him from prison. You know what I'm saying? And they're praying, Lord, deliver Peter from prison. And then two twos, all you hear is a knock on the door, and someone goes to the door and says, who is it? It says, it's Peter. And they shut the door, and they run back inside to the prayer meeting, and then they say, who was it? They say, it's Peter. And they're like, it can't be. It can't be Peter. He said, praying and not expecting God to answer. And, and, and it's mad because the Lord answered. And then two twos last week, as Mike said, we're in there praying, kind of, and... Um, One of the clients wants to join the prayer meeting. Now, I don't know how that impacts you or hits you or affects you. But in my mind, that's amazing. And the brother's name is Kevin. And he came in and he sat down. And he did, when I was in there, he did, there was a moment I had to step out. But I didn't see him pray. But he just sat there as we prayed. And we prayed for him. You know them indirects. Um, kind of prayed for him, but praying for other things, and it was just a wonderful moment. I sat there and I thought, this is, this is incredible. This is, this is actually wonderful. 
Imagine praying for somebody and as you're praying for that person, they walk in. It's what we experience. Now, a quick word about, so we're talking about groaning in prayer. A quick word about our sinful groaning. Our sinful use of groans. See, this isn't just about what we're supposed to say. We're guilty of things that we ought not to say, right? Do you, do you groan? <laughs> Boy. Not in prayer, but in your pride and in your arrogance, like the children of Israel. This morning, Judith, she exhorted us, didn't she? To use our tongue, but in the right way, not in the wrong way. But have you been groaning this week the wrong way? Not in prayer. Have I got this verse up for us? Verse 5 of the same chapter says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And in verse 15 says, But you have received the Spirit of adoption as sons and male and females, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, my, ad my admonition is, is get off the phone and stop moaning. And get on your knees and start groaning. How about that? <laughs> Sorry, I'm sniffling. You know, I still got this cold from Quay from like, I don't know, eight weeks ago. So forgive me. I was listening to myself back on the thing and I kept on sniffling, so forgive me. It's, 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 it might be driving you mad, I'm sorry. Get off the phone. Get off a WhatsApp. You know what I'm saying? And stop moaning and get on your knees and start groaning. You know, if you go home, you know what I'm saying, and you know, there's some, there's some liberty to talk to your spouse about the madness that you're experiencing. You know, you go to work and you get a madness at work. You go home, you just download on your spouse how mad the day has been and how off-key this person has been. There's license for that, you know what I'm saying? But how far does that go? You, you know, like Rich said last week, do you get to the point where you start scandalizing people? It's just my wife, in it? Or it's just my husband I'm talking to, at best. Imagine when it gets out to other people, you know what I'm saying, that you're speaking to and talking about this person about that person. You know what I'm saying? And it's one thing having that, oh, this person is so off-key, you know what they've done, da 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 It's one thing doing that. You know what I'm saying? But if you and your spouse don't then get on your knees and pray for that person, then you are as much a part of the problem as that problem person. We've got to stop bickering about insignificant stupidness. The only groaning, you see, the only groaning we should be doing is in prayer. Stop moaning about your brother. Stop moaning about your sister. And if you need to moan because the person is a persistent pain, I need to move this mic. If you need to moan about them, you know what I'm saying, because they, they, are, lit, they are moan worthy. 
You know what I'm saying? My question is, are you groaning in prayer as much as you are moaning and murmuring? See, there's a thin line between complaining and groaning. There's a thin line between moaning and groaning, like righteous groaning. There's a thin line between murmuring and groaning. See, we can't be praying for people to get saved outside, to come into our church community, but not loving the people that are already in, inside. That's a madness. Imagine if Kanye West got saved. And then he walked into our church. Kanye said, Christians would be the first one to judge me. Make it feel like nobody loved me. That's an indictment. It's so true, isn't it? Judge people outside, judging one another inside. Now, I know that there needs to be righteous judgment. You know what I'm saying? That's not a, it's not an excuse for not dealing with things. You know what I mean? But come on now. By the way, we're going to be specific praying for Kanye this Tuesday night. Why don't you come and join us as we stumble through our prayers? For, would you pray for Kanye? Come find out. Come add your prayers to the, to the thing. What kind of environment are people coming into? We talk about being a healthy church equipped to disciple, faithful on mission. I ain't going to be doing no mission if we're not healthy. Because then what's the point? You know what I mean? Remember last week or week before, forgiven people love. Remember, forgiven people forgive. Oh, but Rob, no one ain't listening to your preaching still anyway. Let's groan for people. You know what I'm saying? People that we struggle with. Let's, let's groan for them in prayer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> groan for people who you struggle with as they groan for you. As they struggle with you, as they struggle with me. You know what I'm saying? When you're in that place, you're like, Lord, help that person. That's coming from a place where I know I need help. Amen. Even if all you cry is, Father, this a person, yeah, they might kill me. Lord. I mean, see, that's still prayer. And you know, often, that's what, that's what God's talking about. It's that heartfelt, this is me being honest. Read the, we've done a couple of the Psalms, remember? You read through the Psalms, that's a constant cry of the Psalmist. Just an honest bawling out in pain and agony. But it's, there's a place for that. There is a place for that. And it feels often, you know, you, know, you know when you're in that place and it's painful. And it, and it feels like childbirth. It's difficult. It's painful. <laughs> and it seems like there's no end to it. <laughs> cry out, Abba, Father. See, that's the genuine cry of the genuine child of God. The genuine adopted child of God who's got God's spirit in them. See, that's what Jesus did from the cross, remember? As an example to us, he cried out to his father. <sighs> so Paul describes our prayer lives in similar fashion as groaning. If you've never experienced this groaning, you're either a new Christian 
or you ain't saved. The world, this secular society, it should make you groan. Christians make you groan. Christians get on, my, get on your nerves. You know what I mean? They're the worst. Sometimes they're just the worst. You know what I'm saying? But not only does the world make you groan and do Christians make you groan, how many of you know you make you, if you're honest? And I'm saying, I make me groan. Let's stop moaning in public and in private and start groaning in petition and prayer. And look what happens when we give ourselves to the process of groaning. Verse 26, likewise. Like, I love these similes. Likewise, verse 26. Oh, you can't see it, can you? Verse 26, likewise. The Spirit, notice, helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. If you like, when it comes to power, we're poverty-stricken, we're weak, right? But the middle of verse 26, but the Spirit himself, boy, personally, you know, you know how big that is? Ain't got time. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. Oh, with groanings too deep for words. So creation groans, the people of God groan, and here we see that the Holy Spirit, he partners with us, he also groans. And where our groans are unintelligible sometimes, you know, sometimes you can't even form the words. The Spirit's words aren't unintelligible. The Holy Spirit's intercession is perfect. Verse 27, and he, the Holy Spirit, who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When the Holy Spirit intercedes, when he prays on behalf of the saints, if you like, it's perfectly in line with the will of God. He's got the perfect, like, oi, that was a prayer. He's got the perfect prayers, even such that, Prayers are ultimately answered perfectly to the point where God's will is thoroughly accomplished in the lives of God's people. Look at verse 28 in the light of what we just said. And we know, you know, what if the Holy Spirit's praying or not, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Can you see how... Verse 28 works with verse 22 to 27 with regards to us being in this incredibly privileged position as God's children. Does that make sense of the title? We are privileged because we're children of God. Regardless of what happens or what that person done or what that person said, nothing can't change the fact that you're a child of God, you know. The fact that, you know what I'm saying, you lost your job or the fact that, you know what I'm saying, things are going bad or your, your business has gone belly up. It's like, regardless of what happens, you're still privileged. Regardless of what anyone has done or said about you, you're a child of God. Don't forget that. Privileged. That alone should make you, should change the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you pray. I'm saying, and, and we're poverty-stricken, we're weak, aren't we? But thank God that the Holy Spirit partners with us in our prayers. 
And I'm going to ask the team to come up as I, as, I, as I do what I'm exhorting us to do, which is to pray. Would you join me as I, as I just wrap us up in prayer as the girls come and sing one song and then we'll conclude after that one song. Father, thank you. Thank you for the privileged position that we hold as your children. And that because of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. But we are saved by works. Not our works. We're saved by the works of the Lord Jesus. And his work on the cross on our behalf. Which now makes us privileged children. And Lord, once you've adopted a child, a son, a daughter, a man, a woman, a boy or a girl into your family... Lord, no one can snatch them out of your family. You don't renege on your commitment to your children. Never. You promise that I will never leave you or forsake you. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters, including myself, would be encouraged by that this afternoon. Because, Lord, it's from that position, Lord, when we know that we're, we're good, you got us. Then we can say, boy, you know what? Regardless of what that person's doing, it's all right. You know, I can forgive them and be like, wow, they've done it five times, you know, but boy, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forgive. They're gonna, if they, they, I think as I stand here forgiving them right now, I know next week they're going to do the same again. But next week I will forgive them because I'm supposed to forgive, not seven times, but seven times 70. It's a ridiculous number. It's because the, even asking the question, should I forgive them again, is ridiculous. We can do that because we're, we're your children, Father. And we're supposed to reflect your nature, which is one of forgive. We, we always ask, hoping that you're going to forgive us when we come. Lord, help us to be like you in that sense. Jesus, if someone slaps you around the face, you turn the, you turn the other cheek. Father, thank you. I mean, this describes our weakness so wonderfully because we do want to retaliate. We do want to get our own back. We just want to bad mind people. Just don't want to, I don't want to chat to them. And I ain't going to chat to God for them. But that's not right. That is an exposure of our weakness, our sinfulness. And Lord, we need your help. Because we're not, like a couple of weeks ago, Lord, we're, we're not saying this stuff is easy. This is hard. But it's hard not to forgive, Lord, when we see how much you've forgiven us. Forgive us, Lord, and help us in our weak, sinful state. And thank you, Lord, that even in those moments where all we can do is groan because it's peak that whatever it is that we're dealing with, Lord, thank you that that's what you want because it's coming from the heart. And then the Holy Spirit partners with us, groaning with and on our behalf perfectly. Thank you, Lord. I pray that this would be a real encouragement for us. <laughs> and then on top of that, we've got another prayer partner who's the Lord Jesus. <laughs> sitting, at the, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Wow, Lord, it's too much. Help us. Help us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.